Chapter 44 Interlude Yuletide Part 1 Jenny smiled down at the sleeping boy. He was so small. His innocence and beauty were still unbroken. This was to be her last Yule, celebration, she spent serving Lord Cal. Her family had decided to expand, and she was needed, called to return and answer those familial bonds. She was happy for her family, happy for the opportunity, promised that she would be allowed a free hand in crafting menus and staffing the new hotel the family was opening. She had finally achieved master class levels and would join her brother and sister who had also advanced to master class to expand and extend the influence of her clan. But it meant leaving young Oddhark behind. Oddhark, what a detestable name. The child's mother should be whipped for fostering such cruelty on an innocent child. She and those of her staff refused to call him by that dreadful name. Instead, they had begun calling him Odd for he had been such an odd child, filled with wonder and patience, happiness and wariness, curiosity and fear. Delightful, never complaining or crying, but so inquisitive, always asking why or getting into small spaces to explore and understand. He was a child of the Seely, so should have been cherished. But his mixed parentage, his unseely bloodline, had instead left him forgotten or abused. It was only when the lesser fae decided to act, those staff members that saw only innocence and beauty, not bloodline or trait, that he found his place. A few of the sprites had led the child to her kitchens five years ago. He was only two at the time, hungry, dirty, and lonely. He submitted to a warm bath in exchange for a hot bowl of gruel drizzled with honey his eyes darting around, inquisitive even at such a young age, as he watched the kitchen staff perform their duties. The sprites all but adopted him, finding him a place to sleep, spending wages on used clothing, and bringing him to the kitchens to sate his hunger. He'd become all but feral, with no real authority or parental figure, to take him in hand, to teach him or instruct him in what it meant to be Seely. He instead learned what it meant to be lesser, servant or sprite. One lesson was taught early. Remain hidden and unobtrusive. Remain unnoticed. For there was only true safety from the cruelty of the Seely if they overlooked those they considered lesser and beneath them. He was well loved by all the staff. So Jenny wasn't worried that he would continue to be fed and cared for. But he was seven now. It was long past time that he should have been attending lessons and training. And she feared that if matters were not taken in hand soon, then he would truly become one of the forgotten. No education, no training. What would become of him when it was time for him to enter the Chamber of Ascension? The sprites addressed him in greens, reds, and golds in honor of the Yule banquet that was going to be held today, spending a prodigious amount of money to see him garbed in festival finest. This banquet would be more festive and lavish than normal because Lord Kell's liege lord was in attendance, 
Duke Adewin cycled through his vassals every year, visiting and spending Yule at a different domain in order to reconnect with those he had entrusted with lands and to identify dissent and problems that may affect prophets and populace. Jenny knew the sprites meant well by dressing the boy in festive clothes and colors, but their interference did not mesh well with her plans. If this was to be her last Yule with the boy, she refused to leave him without doing her best to change his circumstances, to make sure he received some minimum of education and weapons training. He was boneless in his sleep, allowing Jenny to quickly strip him out of the finery the sprites had found for him and dress him instead in his normal cast-offs, worn, threadbare, holes barely mended. She transformed the innocent and beautiful child of Seely back into the forgotten and neglected, a trusting child that she loved unconditionally. She woke him, sending him to the kitchens to help, setting her plan into motion. His clothing was only the first step. She needed him to be disheveled and dirty, his neglect obvious to any that saw him. Lord Cal and Lady Patricia would play the dupe. Thom spoiled and entitled, cruel in his nature and vicious, in his treatment the perfect foil. Her plans had the hallmarks of a fairy tale as old as time, and the sea were nothing if not masters of the fairy tale. The stage was set, events set in motion. Oddhark would either take the first step as the hero in his own fairy tale, or be relegated to the dustbin as a minor character and quickly forgotten. Either way, Jenny was determined that today would be an opportunity for the forgotten child. She had him emptying fire grates, measuring flour, polishing silver, anything she could think of to dirty his appearance and demonstrate to any who saw him that he was being deprived of his rightful heritage. A child of Seely should not be relegated as a chimney sweep in a keep governed by Seely. Jenny fully intended to use the Yule festivities to demonstrate to Duke Adoin the deprivations that his vassal would use, the neglect that Lord Kell would extend to a child he had been ordered to foster. Fate seemed to conspire to support Jenny's schemes. Thom stumbled upon the young boy toiling, face set in determination to complete the latest task Jenny had given him. A simple enough task, even for such a young boy. She had asked him to fetch a serving ladle for a tureen of solstice soup. His feet swift, happy and joyous to help his beloved Jenny, he ran headfirst into a furious and surprised thumb. Flour, soot, and grime met the meticulous cleanliness and order that Thom had perfected. The result was predictable. Thom's pristine clothing and image were smeared with the detritus and accumulated disorder that Oddhark had accumulated. Oddhark's actions were innocent and accidental, but Thom was incapable of ignoring the effrontery of a seely unseely bastard. And Thom's response was foreseeable. Jenny had not planned for the boy to be struck, for him to be sent flying across the room and crashing into the side table that was groaning under the weight of foods and delicacies set and displayed. She hadn't meant for Duke Adoin and Lord Kell to enter the room at that exact moment. She'd only hoped for the Duke to see and understand how badly Lord Kell had failed in his duty to the young boy. 
Her intentions were superfluous at that moment, because the result of Thom's anger were obvious. Oddhark's arm was broken, his head bleeding from a deep gash, and his clothing, that had been barely held together, completely disintegrating into useless rags. Still, Oddhark, with his beauty and innocence, inherent in all Seelie, managed to shine through the pain and anguish he was experiencing. His eyes filled with confusion and tears. It was his tiny shoulders, bony and emaciated, thrust back that cloaked him in a dignity and civility that belied the destruction he was surrounded with. Who is this? Duke Adoin demanded. Does your house normally treat silly children so egregiously? Child, Duke Adoin said, coaxing Oddhark to come close, soothing him with his words and extending healing magic as he examined the boy minutely. Where are your parents? His ministrations were successful in calming Oddhark, but his question only led to confusion and wariness. How was he supposed to answer that question? He didn't know who his parents were. Not recognizing why the boy seemed confused with such a simple question, Duke Adoin tried again. Who takes care of you? Oddhark's eyes lit up in response to this question, something he could answer, and part of his charm. What delighted Jenny and her staff was his longing to please those around. Triz and Blix, find me a bed. Nell and Bud, get me clothes. And Jenny, Jenny makes the bestest pies. He assured the Duke, happy to be able to answer the question. Duke Adoin knelt down, Withdrawing a cloth from storage, he pulled Oddhart close and began wiping the grime, dust, food, and blood from the boy. As he did so, the features that had been obscured by so much slowly resolved. Once satisfied that the wound had been closed and the bleeding stemmed, the break in the arm mending, Duke Adoin stood, hand resting on Oddhart's shoulder. He turned to Lord Kell. Kell. Who are his parents? Duke Adoin demanded. Lord Kell was obvious in his hesitation. The Duke could be capricious, his anger legendary when he felt slighted or insulted. Duke Adoin had tasked his house with the well-being of Oddhark. Lord Kell had accepted that duty, but conveniently tasked servants to deal with the child. He would have forgotten the boy's existence entirely, if his yearly report didn't require him to make token reports to Duke Adoin about the boy's well-being. He had dutifully reported the boy lived, but beyond that he had made no effort. His mother abandoned him as soon as he was born. His father, an unseely, has never been identified or allowed to acknowledge him. Your wife, Lady Brianna, was great friends with his mother, so you sent the child here for fostering soon after his birth. His mother, repudiating him and striking his name from her house. This is the child of Lady Lydia Anos. He is Duke Adoin, Lord Cal answered reluctantly. Am I to understand that a child of Seelie, with the blood of nobles running through his veins has been ignored and cast off for the servants to raise, Duke Adoin demanded, his voice thunderous. 
His anger? Barely controlled.